We're in the middle of a series called I Have Some Good News For You. Uh, it is both news, I have some news, and it is good for you. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And we're looking at six big questions that people ask about Christianity. Questions that if you're a follower of Jesus, you may ask. Questions if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that you might ask about Christianity. And so we're looking at those. Uh, and today, as we've said already, we're looking at the whole question about life after death. And we're going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is, if you like, ancient wisdom, uh, one of the oldest books in the Bible. It is kind of, if you like, a philosopher, uh, or maybe more than one, a kind of musing and reflecting on life. If this life is all there is, uh, all the things we spend our time doing, his conclusion is that pretty much it's a lot of it is meaningless. So let's read together Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, verse 1, uh, and then a few other verses in chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Everything's meaningless. Now all's been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Let's watch this video together. This life is merely a threshold to another place. Let's pray. God of all comfort, thank you that there is hope. Be our teacher now, we pray. Lord, we're listening, we're desperate. Change our lives, we pray. Amen. I don't know if you know who this man is. If you're Australian, you may do. His name is Arthur Stace. He was a soldier in the war, and then upon returning, became a follower of Jesus, and then became well known for spending his time all across Sydney writing the word eternity all over the pavements and walls of his home city, Sydney in Australia. He became famous, uh, so much so that now if you go to Sydney all over the place, there's various different plaques with this word eternity. And of course, so well known that I think it was Millennium New Year's Eve across the Great Bridge in Sydney. Eternity. Mr. Eternity, he's referred to as. Well known for that one word he wrote because of his faith in Jesus. But of course, it's a word that many of us are at various times forced to think about. At the funeral of a loved one. When we watch a film about life and death. When we're approaching test results that we know not what they will bring. Eternity. We want to know, in the words of the gladiator, is it true that what echoes in life echoes in eternity? As one famous comedian once said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. 
I want to achieve it through not dying. <laughs> Apparently over half of us in the UK believe in life after death globally. Around 80% it's believed uh, believe in life after death. And so as we continue this series about the good news of Christianity, where we're asking some pretty full-on hardcore questions, here's the question for today. What if life after death was certain? Eternity. Eternity. In that passage that we read to us, there's four, I think, important things for us to remember today. Four truths from this ancient philosopher that if we negotiate in our minds will change everything for us from this day forwards. And here's the first one. The first point that he makes, which is pretty obvious, is this. Eternity can't be ignored. The reality that we live in a world in which people do all that we can to avoid death and suffering means that often we avoid the question of eternity. But the writer of Ecclesiastes makes it pretty clear for us in very poetic terms, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you find no pleasure in them. In other words, whilst you're young, enjoy life because there will be a day where life is not so sweet. He goes on. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. A very poetic description of death and the pitcher shattered at the spring and the well, the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. There will be a day, he says, where we will all die. We need to acknowledge it. Our culture largely ignores that fact with our beauty creams and our nip and tucks here and there to do all we can to have endless youth. The reality is, everybody in this room will die. And it struck me, I'm gonna do some maths for us now. I'm gonna do an emotional experiment, and I want you to pay attention to the emotions it wells up within you. Here we go. Think of the year of your birth. Just get to your mind, what is the year of your birth? Okay, get that in your mind. Now, I've gotta do some maths. Add 81 to that. So what the year of your birth, add 81 to it. Some of you will need longer to do that. You work in your mind, drop one, carry one forwards, all those sort of things. Have you got it? Add 81 to the year of your birth. For me, it's 2058. Okay, you there? Thereabouts. If you're a woman, add on two. If you're a man, take away two. If you're a smoker, take away five. As we discovered in the first service, if you're left-handed, take away five, apparently. I may be wrong, but who knows? That's what somebody said. You can dispute that, I may be wrong. I'm not saying that's scientific fact. You won't need me to tell you, statistically speaking, that is, the number you've got to is the year of your death. Twenty fifty six, for me. Now, of course, statistically speaking, these are averages, and of course, statistics can be used to prove everything. But looking at the whole sweep of the UK, with the average age being eighty three for women, uh, seventy nine for men at the moment. But here's the question: 
What emotions did that bring up with you doing that exercise? Because most of us don't like to think of that reality. Some of us need a round of applause because you're already beyond time. Well done. We live in a culture in which we do all we can to avoid the reality that there will be a day where people are at your graveside. Let me give an illustration of this. Many will know the story of Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood, the story I learned when I was a child, all about little Red Riding Hood going walking in the woods to see grandma. And in the woods, she comes face to face with a wolf. The wolf says, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to grandma. The wolf says, where does grandma live? She, the wolf, Little Red Riding Hood tells, grandma, tells the wolf where grandma lives. So off the wolf goes in front of Little Red Riding Hood to knock on grandma's door. And what does the wolf do? The wolf eats grandma. So that when Little Red Riding Hood gets to grandma's house, it is not grandma, but it is the wolf dressed up as grandma. What big eyes you have, all the better to see you with, and so on and so on. The story that's been going around for several centuries, all about warning children about the realities that not everybody is friend, and that some people will be going to get into your lives, particularly to destroy you, reminding you don't talk to strangers and all of that. And so I picked up a contemporary telling of Little Red Riding Hood from the Riverside Performing Arts Office. This book is a modern retelling, the wolf's in it and the grandma's in it and Little Red Riding Hood's in it. Do you wanna know how this ends? It is brilliant. Here we go, here's the little bit. Where is it, where can I find it? I can't find the exact word. Basically what happens is grandma and Little Red Riding Hood and the wolf open a bakery. (laughs) And the wolf, here is, he was her chief baker, being kept much too busy to cause trouble for anyone. Or another version that I've heard of, grandma faints when the wolf gets there and hides in a cupboard and then reappears when Little Red Riding Hood appears. Why? We do all we can in our culture to anesthetize us from suffering and death. We cannot believe the fact that there are bad things happening in our world. We don't want our children to know about it and we certainly don't want to think about death. Friends, we will all die. In a culture of comfort, we think we can ignore the reality of death and yet we can't. I have been involved as a church minister in lots of funerals and I can tell you that the funerals where there is the deepest ache in amongst all sorts of human tragedy, the deepest ache is the ones where people have never confronted death and this sudden tragedy has made them for the first time realize that we are all mortal and our lives will come to an end and the life of their loved one that they so deeply miss has come to an end. And so eternity can't be ignored. This is a very real question. We will all die and so therefore if there is life after death, we need to think about it. And that's why the writer of Ecclesiastes says, in the light of this, remember your creator now in the sweet times. Remember him before the silver cord is 
severed. Don't just go around, oh, one day I'll think about it. No, now remember him because we will all die. Eternity can't be ignored. So friends, there are some of us here we know we're not followers of Jesus, we're here for all sorts of reasons, maybe we're interested and maybe we're just here kind of as some other reason. This is a real question that can't be ignored for all of us. We will all die and so therefore is there life after death. And for some of us who are Christians, we know if we like, we are so focused on the here and now that my relationship with God is all about how I feel about my life now and we've forgotten the reality that there is life after death. Maybe this morning God in his grace might just be saying lift our eyes, lift our eyes. So eternity can't be ignored, that's the first thing. Hopefully you get the point. But here's the second thing. Eternity not only can't be ignored, according to the writer of Ecclesiastes and the whole of the Bible, eternity gives a value and a dignity to your life. According to the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says everything is meaningless if this life, if the life under the sun, he says, is all there is. Pleasure, we do all we can to find pleasure. If this life is all it is, might as well go on a bender. But actually even that leaves a deep, deep gaping vacuum. Or we spend all our time working hard and then what happens after we've died? People come behind us and undo it all. Or we spend all our time in our relationships with our family, trying to bring up offspring and so on and then generations beyond us go on a completely different path that's wasted. Meaningless, he says, if this life, the life under the sun, is all there is. Let me illustrate something for you, another little bit of a head thought experiment. How many people in this room know the first names of your great-grandparents. Your great-grandparents, your first names of your great-grandparents. Just put your hands up. Okay, 10 of us. Chances are, unless your great-grandparents did something really significant or were particularly famous, you and your family are the only people left on the planet who will remember them, and most of us can't even remember their names. Which, I have to break it to you, the haunting reality is this. In 120 odd years-ish, whatever long, however old we are, my name will largely be forgotten by everybody. And so will yours. No wonder the writer of the Ecclesiastes says, whoa, this is meaningless. Unless. If there is life after death, if there is something called eternity in which your life echoes into eternity, then it gives a value and dignity to your life right now. Look again at what the writer says. Now all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Including every hidden thing. Now friends, we live in a culture of comfort as we've already said. And therefore many of us don't think about eternity and issues of heaven and hell and all of that are things we go, I don't wanna think about it, I'm fine, let's go and do some shopping. 
The reality is for millions, if not billions of people around the planet now, and certainly down through history, they have had not had the luxury of a life of comfort. And so therefore they are largely forgotten, ignored by history. For the tens of millions of people wiped out by Stalin and Hitler and all of those people. What does their life count for? And yet the good news of the Bible is every hidden thing, even those in this city or in this world today, right now, who are abused and oppressed and are forgotten will never ever get to the front of the news. God sees there is a value and a dignity in their life. He sees the hidden stuff, which means they count, not just the strong, comfortable West, the victorious ones every hidden thing. You may have heard the news uh, this last week about the 800,000 Muslims who have been uh, incarcerated by the Chinese authority over the years. You may have heard that. It's largely been ignored, not noticed. We have a friend who is a human rights worker working in Asia. I emailed her, and interestingly, whilst we were worshiping, she got back to me. So I will read to you something she says. She's there working on the front line about what's happening in this particular country, but there are other countries, places across the world, even in our city where this is true. This is what she says. You're right that we in the West are ignorant of so much injustice in the world. Eternity gives value to those who are abused and oppressed right now. And therefore, the good news is for you, if you know you have had stuff done against you, you have been the sinned against. God sees that hidden stuff. There's value in your life right now. This is good news. And so therefore, when we get to bits of the Bible that we in the West find difficulty, where he talks about vengeance is mine, says the Lord, we find those bits a bit icky, and yet for those for whom there is no one else fighting for them, that is good news. Because God sees, and God sees your stuff. Eternity gives value and dignity to you, to me, to all of us, this planet, right now. Which is why when we get to the book of Genesis, and we see this amazing story where God is basically talking about wiping out this evil city of Sodom and Abraham kind of barters with him and says, but if I find 50 righteous people, will you save it? Yes, I will, says God. Okay, well, if I find 40, what about 30? Well, what about 20? What about 10? And then the conclusion is this, even in that, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? If God is judge, because he sees all and he's good, then we can trust him that he will do what is right. This is good news, friends. So, eternity can't be ignored. It gives a value and a dignity to, to our life now, but also this. Eternity brings true equality. We live in a culture of equality today, don't we? Rightly in which because of our news, we can see so many things around the world that we didn't know before, so many situations where there's such inequality. I mean, just listen, these are the headlines of several newspapers today. These are today's papers. Front page of the Sunday Mirror, worst ever child abuse scandal exposed, hidden by the authorities. 
This is from the Daily Mail financial pit. 288 million pounds in sales, but not a bean in tax for Cafe Nero. Little side story, the MPs blast Persimmon bosses 100 million bonus because they can't justify it because of all that. This is the front page of The Observer. Top paid men outstrip women by four to one, shock figures reveal. Inequality, inequality, inequality all across, even in our country, let alone other places in the world. We know it. Such an emphasis on equality. We've had International Women's Day this week. And yet we all know life favors the powerful, the successful, the strong, the rich. And if there's no eternity, the rich are the winners. The strong are the winners. The powerful are the winners. Listen again to the words of Ecclesiastes. Now all's been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. This is real equality. God sees the little people that nobody else does. We sang earlier about God the lion fighting the battles for people for whom no one else is there fighting. If this life is it, Unlucky, says the Bible. It's all meaningless. Some will suffer, some are weak, never mind. And the reality is, friends, the Bible and Jesus talk a lot about heaven and hell. And largely in our culture of comfort in the West, we back away from that, it gets a bit uncomfortable because why? Life's pretty sweet for many of us, don't need to think about it. For those hundreds of thousands, millions of people who have been abused against, who have been treated in unequally, God sees, God hears every deed. But it's interesting that often, not all the time, but often when Jesus talks about hell, he's talking to the religious people, those quotes who were convinced of their own righteousness. Wasn't some scare tactic or guilt-inducing tactic, but a reality that all of us will one day stand before God and every deed will be judged. We will give an account, which is a liberating thing because it means your education, your status, your background, your politics, your gender, your whatever, all equal before God. No strong man, successful authority, dictator will have sway before the God of the universe who sees every hidden thing. This is equality. And can I say, this is hugely important and hugely liberating for those of us who, if we're honest, we've been given a raw deal in life. Our body doesn't like work like it should. Our relationships haven't gone as they could. People have walked out on us, left us, abused us. Even maybe our bodies are failing to the point we're facing death. The reality of eternity is hopeful. Listen to what the writer of Revelation at the end of the Bible says. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, if you've got disability in your world, if you've got people in your world who cannot see, there will be a day where they see lights. For those for whom they've got people in their world who cannot walk and never will walk, there will be a day when those bones will dance. For those who've been intensely lonely for many, many years and don't know what the future holds, there will be a day where God will wipe away every tear. There are few more intimate things than someone wiping away your tears. This is good news, friends. No more pain, no more crying. I want in, I want that. So eternity needs to be looked at, it can't be ignored. Gives value and dignity to all of us. It is the ultimate equalizer, gives equality. But of course, here's the question, how do we know for sure? How do we know this isn't just wishful thinking? I mean, great, fantastic, sounds sweet. How do we know? How do we know life after death is certain? And how do we know we get in the good bit? How do we know we get this? And this is where we come to the fourth point. Fourth thing is this, eternity is offered to you and me, to all of us. Listen again to the writer of Ecclesiastes. Now all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Eternity's real, we get that. There will be a day we will give an account for our lives. But how do we guarantee it? Because the reality is, and this is the trembly bit, isn't it? Every deed into judgment. Oh boy. The reality is us in the comfortable West, we live in a system in which the benefits we have are at the expense of other people around the world. Even the very food we eat is often because other people have suffered so that we can have those cheap goods. Even the houses we live in, the very structure of our society is unequal. This isn't just about personal little old me and my morality, things I've done wrong. All of us live in a system in which the lives we lead by necessity of living in the comfortable West, let alone what we do with our lives, mean we oppress others. And so therefore, if those deeds are brought into judgment, every hidden thing, oh boy. This is not fantastic, Tim. <laughs> I want the tears bit, I don't want this bit. I want the no mourning. How, 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 how? And this is when we come to some amazing words of Jesus. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, he says to his followers. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And of course, as we look at the cross of Jesus, 
it suddenly begins to make sense that God himself steps in and says those things, those hidden things, those good, those evil, that need some sort of justice, I'll take the hit. We read these words in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter nine. Just as people are destined to die once, that's what we've been thinking about, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The cross is empty because he rose up from the dead. And therefore, for all of us, if we face this eternity, we we, we comprehend it. I wanna be with the one who's beaten death. I wanna be with the one who says, I'll take the hit for you, Tim. And you may have many, many questions. But I'm with Jesus. Surely it's a no-brainer. Why? Because in history, he lived and died for our sin and then rose up from the dead so that all who have faith in Christ can have eternity. That's good news. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Wow. He did what is right, paying for it all himself. So here's the question, do you want in? (laughs) Or do you want to stand before God yourself? Friends, for some of us, we know this is a very real question. And this morning, something has landed. Something that you, in amongst the fog, in amongst the questions, you just think, I I, I don't know, but I I, I want to be with Jesus, I'm with Jesus for the first time maybe, in a moment we're gonna take communion. And I'd very simply invite you to take communion. And as you take communion, simply say yes to Jesus. For others of us, we're already followers of Jesus and we know this stuff, we've believed it, but the ebb, the passion has ebbed. Two words were given earlier. One about letting my light in. Let me come in and for some of us, once again we need to be reminded this is good news of freedom and hope. Today you face a choice. God, it's all about this. And then that second word, that that homecoming that Steve mentioned. That reminder that this is good, breathtaking, dazzling news for you today. Come home. Maybe as we take communion you can simply say, God, I'm back. back. So can I invite you to stand? Please stand.